So this morning, what I wanted to do was uh, I wanted to talk about six gifts that you can give back to God in this next year, right? So what I could have asked you was, what did you give Jesus for his birthday? Did you give him anything for his birthday? The wise men came and they brought gold, uh, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. What did you give Jesus for his birthday? And you might say, I don't, I, how do I give Jesus anything for his birthday? I'm about to tell you that. But you don't have to just do this around Christmas. What I hope is that you will look at these as gifts that you can offer to God, offerings that you can give to God throughout the year. And I'm not just talking about putting money in the plate, all right? Um, so we're just going to take a look at this, and uh, I was going to print up some stuff for you, but I decided we'd go one more week without any bulletins being printed, and then we'll launch into the new year, and we'll do exactly that, okay? Um, so uh, this is a statement you may have heard Craig make last year, last year, last week. It seemed like a year ago last week, doesn't it? Christmas is a time of giving because God gave his only son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. I love this scripture right here. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You want to hear something interesting? That verse right there in 2 Corinthians 9.15 is at the end of the Apostle Paul teaching for two chapters on giving to the poor. And then he basically says, it's not about what we give, but it is about what we are giving back. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So something that you can give to God, you can give what uh, the Scripture calls the sacrifice of praise. You might say, well, you know, that just doesn't seem like much of a sacrifice. But some mornings it does, right? Some mornings you have to get yourself out of bed and get to church, and it's not easy, is it? Especially those of you that have kids. So it can seem like a sacrifice. But a sacrifice doesn't have to be something that is difficult. I'm just saying that there are times when it is difficult. But I want you to understand something. When it says the sacrifice of praise, this is different than thanksgiving. Now, I've already mentioned this when I taught through this little series um, uh, around thanksgiving about worship. But praise is giving God the credit that he is due for who he is, not for what he has done. So if you're thinking about your Christmas compared to one of your friends and one of your friends is better off financially than you are, you know, and they're like posting, you know, on Instagram, hey, I got a new car for Christmas. And you're like, oh, I didn't. <laughs> well, don't be grumpy about it. Be thankful that somebody else got a new car for Christmas, right? Because it's not about what you get. It's about what you give. Amen. So think about how good the person felt who gave that new car. And more importantly, the scripture says, as I mentioned earlier, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I think as you get older, you realize that. Now, when you're a kid, you love getting all those gifts and you don't have a whole lot you can give. But as I've said before, I have a whole refrigerator full of stuff that kids have made for me over the years uh, here at this church. And I know you guys do that with your kids at home. Um, but I have stuck a bunch of stuff on the refrigerator up there. And I've also got a bunch of wedding announcements up there uh, that you guys have, you know, given over the years. And I just think that that's really, really important um, because they, they did something out of their own creativity with their own time that they didn't have to do. 
all right? Um, I'm going to call somebody on the carpet. Um, Harry, who's sitting up in the uh, booth up there, was giving Christmas cards to everybody. Now, I get Christmas cards periodically, fewer and fewer of them, but I opened his Christmas card, and it had a very, very personal, heartfelt statement. Yeah, Harry, I'm going to be honest with you. That would have been, that was better to me than if you'd have handed me a $50 Amazon gift card. And that's the truth because it was from the heart. It meant something. It was meaning, you know, uh, it has been said that it is the thought that counts. And sometimes that's said disparagingly, right? Well, I guess it's the thought that counts. In other words, that was a lousy gift. But it really is the thought that counts. Did you think about what you were giving and why you were giving it? So I didn't think about, you know, whether I was going to, I really don't have a list of people that I give gifts to every year. I just, as I think of, of things that might be good for somebody that somebody might enjoy, um, or when I see something that I think would be a blessing, then, you know, I'll give that. So this year, I found a devotion at Mardell that I thought would be really, really good for a number of people who work hard in our church for the, the worship team and and, uh, and, and several other people, uh, people in our children's ministry. So I bought out those devotionals. And it wasn't because, hey, oh, gosh, I got to buy these people something for Christmas or they're not going to want to come and do worship for us anymore. No, it's because they're already serving. And I thought this would be something that would be an investment for them. And I just thought about, it. I didn't get you guys one. And I should have done that, my youth ministry people. So just shake your finger at me and say, shame on you. All right. So you'll get something. You're going to get something. Um, <laughs> you're going to get something. <laughs> this is how bad I am. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Christmas went by. Things were flying by. I always give my mom something for Christmas. Usually I get her an Amazon gift card. I didn't give my mom her gift until the day after Christmas. I just let everything fly by. And I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't get my mom a present. What is wrong with me, Right. But each time I give somebody something for Christmas, it makes me feel good. It's just the right thing to do. So what I'm trying to say to you is this. I'm not giving these things just because somebody gave something to me, right? I'm giving them because it's something I want to give to them. That's what praise for you should be. It's what you want to give to God. He deserves your praise, amen? And so you can always offer up the sacrifice of praise, all right? That is number one, right? Number two is live a godly life, and that means the life of a worshiper. Um, In 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, it talks about how physical discipline is of some value, but godliness has value both in this life and in the life to come. Physical discipline. We're coming to that time of year when we're all thinking about, hey, I need to get rid of this. I built, I built this up over the last year, especially over the holidays, and I need to get rid of some of this. Guess what? I'm going to help you do that starting next week. Now, it just depends on whether you want to, you know, you can join in officially or you can just kind of join in unofficially, but I bought a brand new scale that measures body fat, and so we're going to have a contest starting January the 3rd. This isn't going to be a weight loss contest because people can lose water weight, they can lose muscle weight. And what I want you to do is I want you to evaluate whether you'd like to lose a few extra pounds of flab. And if you would like to do that, then you can enter into this contest. It's going to be six weeks long, and I have unofficially called it getting healthy for your honey, right? Because it ends the day before Valentine's Day. 
He's like, well, I don't have a honey or I don't have a honey that cares. Um, that's okay. It's all right. Okay. People keep telling me, Pastor D, you're not fat. I'm not saying I'm fat. I'm saying I can't fit in any of my pants anymore. You're all nice. That's great. But see, when I can't button my pants, then I either have to buy a whole new wardrobe or I have to lose a little bit of flab so I can fit back in those pants again. You see, what I did the last time I lost this weight is I, I sold off and gave away all of my pants that were the larger size so that when I got to this point, I would force myself into having to do something about it. So this is as much selfish as it is anything else. It will force me to stay nose to the grindstone losing some of this. So if you'd like to join in, then next Sunday, you can do what I do or you can do something else. Um, We'll have a way in and a way out. And again, I'm not concerned about the amount of weight. I'm concerned about whether you're able to lose some body fat. This scale measures body fat. So you're going to wear, if you want to get in on this, after church, I'll have the, the scale out there in the lobby, and you're going to wear exactly the same thing on January the 3rd and February the 13th. It's six weeks apart, so it's okay. Personally, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, next Sunday, I'm going to dress the way I normally dress in the morning on my way to the gym. I'm going to wear a pair of light sweatpants, unless it's really cold outside, but that's probably what I'm going to do, all right? And, uh, and basically, kind of like a t-shirt. And then basically, I just flip my shoes off, go step on the scale, and then that's the, that's the base. And then six weeks later, step on the scale again, and it's very simple. Whatever that scale says, whoever lost not just the most uh, percentage of body fat, but the most percentage of body fat for you, and I'll get into that detail next week. But if you'd like to participate, you can do it with us, or you can measure it on your own and just participate at arm's length, okay? So I know a bunch of ladies are like, you ain't going to see my weight, Pastor. I get it. I get it. It's okay. <laughs> you don't understand. I don't care. When I'm up here saying, man, I need to lose some weight, he's like, what is, he, what is he thinking about me? I'm thinking nothing about you. I'm so selfish. All I'm thinking about is me. <laughs> right? I'm not looking at you and saying, oh, you're fat. I'm just, no, 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 no. I'm just looking at my growing belly, and I'm getting tired of looking at it. It's what I'm getting tired of, right? So that means, Nicholas, I'm going to see you fewer times during the week, brother. So... Nicholas is my is my my connection at Intrinsic. So, in any event, uh, six weeks. But living a godly life is more important than that. And what does godly mean? See, that's one of those words that we just don't use very often. It sounds like it comes from the the King James era. You know, something that an an older person, as in older than me, would say. Godly, you need to be godly. What does it even mean? Well, it translates a Greek word, eusebia. And what that means is to live a life of worship, a life of reverence towards God. You know what that means? Everything you say should be a reflection of that relationship, right? So the scripture says, let no unwholesome word proceed forth from your mouth, but only such a word is beneficial for the edification of the person who is hearing. In other words, nothing should come out of your mouth unless it is building someone else up. So we talk about bad words, right? Try to get your kids not to say bad word. Did you know there's two types of bad words? There are obscenities and there is profanity. Sometimes we just think of them all as just being bad words, right? Obscenities are words that relate to human body functions and sexual things, right? They're things that we have set aside as being offensive in our culture. Anything that you say as an obscenity can be said in a way that's not an obscenity, right? right? So somebody might 
refer to the human act of defecation. And there's a certain word that they would use for that that might be an obscenity. Oh, defecation. No. See, that didn't offend you, did it? Did it offend you for me? Defecation. Kind of. I'm sorry. But that's just because Dean is sensitive. You don't know how sensitive. Dean is just sensitive, right? Or, oh, flatulence. It's not offensive, it's just funny, but I'm using the actual term. Listen, when you're talking to your kids, teach them the proper names for their body parts. I'm not going to go into that right now, but those proper names for their body parts keep them away from this, oh, well, that part of your body's dirty. No, it's not. There's nothing about your body that's dirty unless you turn it and twist it and treat it that way. Teach them the proper terms, all right? Um, th those are obscenities. Profanity is something that you really need to think about, and it's something that I think a lot of Christians are not concerned enough about. This is when you use the name of the Lord in vain. In other words, you use his name in an empty way, in a meaningless way. So when someone says, oh, OMG, except they say that. Why are you saying that? You're not crying out to God in prayer, so it's obviously empty and meaningless. And it doesn't indicate that you have any hope that God hears you or that God is concerned or that God even exists. You're just treating it like it is a piece of paper. Those are my notes, so I really hope that this works right here. I have them on my phone, but I just threw my notes away. All right. Gosh, why did I do that? All right. <laughs> anyway, live a godly life. Live the life of a worshiper. Avoid offending other people. And above all, avoid offending God. Be reverent, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise. Now, a companion to that, and I need to add this to their, uh, to their list, my Karate Kids list, that's Proverbs 1.7, it's Proverbs 9.10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see, you begin to understand what is important and what is not when you start by revering the Lord, by recognizing that one day you're going to stand before Almighty God. And believe it or not, it is a gift to him. Offer him praise, but extend that out into the entirety of your life and live a godly life, live a reverent life, right? Right? Number three, this is the third gift that you can give God all year long. Show your love by your obedience to Christ. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you love me, what? Obey me. Do what I say. But you want to hear something interesting? When you follow Jesus and you do what he says, it's beneficial to you. So you, say, you see, he's saying, if you love me, do what I say, but he's saying that because he loves you. Isn't that the way you are with your kids? Don't you say, you know, no, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. And they're like, no, I don't want to do that. But you have a purpose for that. And they may not realize that purpose. They're like, well, why? So maybe at times when they're older, you try to go into that. Well, I don't agree. Well, that's okay. You're the kid. I'm the adult. You get to do what I say. So, you know, kids are just having fun. They're just running around and your kid runs across the street and doesn't look both ways and you're freaking out and you jerk them up by the arm and you scream and holler and yell at them. Now they think you're mad at them. No, you just don't want them dead. Yeah. 
And kids, there's a million things that are like that that your parents are saying to you. And it is for your benefit. Now, we're the kids. God is the father. Amen? There's a lot of things that he says to us that we may not like, that we may not agree with, that our culture may not agree with. But God says, stop. I designed the universe. I designed your body. You do what I say, and it's going to be of benefit to you. Right? So really, the essence of worship is this idea of love and of loving God. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your might, with all your strength. And then he said the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So if we're going to love Jesus, yes, we need to praise him, just like I said. We need to thank him. We need to honor him. We need to live a godly life. But we need to obey him. We need to do what he says. That would be a good New Year's resolution for you. This year, I'm going to do what Jesus says. This year, I'm going to read that Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to seek to do what Jesus said. Well, right there at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts saying, you have heard it said, and he quotes uh, a commandment among the Ten Commandments. For instance, uh, uh, you shall not kill. He said, you have heard it said, you shall not kill. But I say to you, if you are angry with your brother in your heart, you have already committed that act, right? He said, if you call your brother a moron or empty-headed, he said, you're already in the wrong. So see, we need to live our lives on a higher level. It's like, well, I'm doing fine. I haven't murdered anybody. Well, congratulations. That's, I'm glad. Because if you have... I really don't want to have a relationship with you that's very close, all right? Maybe behind bars, and I'll come visit you a lot. All right? Um, right, number four, four of six gifts. Boy, you should be excited. I'm moving along fast here, see? My New Year's resolution is keep you interested. That's my New Year's resolution. All right? Give to those who are genuinely in need. Over and over again in Scripture, we are told that by giving to those who are in need, we are honoring the Lord, or even we are uh, in a position to be giving to the Lord. Look at what it says here. Jesus told this parable, a parable of the sheep and the goats. The goats represented the people that were not obedient to Christ in their faith, and the sheep represented the people that were obedient. The only difference between those two people that you could see was the sheep did what the Lord said and the goats did not, right? So the sheep said, but Lord, how, how, did we, how did we bless you? How did we do anything for you? He said, in that you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. So he was talking about visiting people in prison. He was talking about uh, helping those who need clothing, uh, helping those who need food. He said, when you have done this to the least of these, you've done this to me. So whatever you do to the least of these, you do for Christ. Now, I said in this statement, give to those who are genuinely in need, because there's lots of people out there who just don't want to work, and they have a handout. And I'm not going to prop you up. I'm not going to enable you. I will help people who I think are on the way to seeking help for themselves, who really genuinely need the help. I will. I'll bend over backwards to help you. But I will not give you money so you can go out and buy cigarettes, alcohol, a crack rock, or whatever. That's ridiculous. Not going to do it, all right? 
So we want to give to those who are genuinely in, genuinely in need, because whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to Christ. So that's the most obvious one where you are actually giving a gift to Jesus, right? Jesus is not going to show up in flowing robes and sandals down here on earth and say, where's my gift? It was my birthday, right? But when you look at somebody that's hurting, when you look at someone that's helpless and you step in and you help them, you have just given a gift to Jesus, right? I like this from the Proverbs. You can tell I like Proverbs. Whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Isn't that cool? You know what that means? That means he's, the Lord is going to give it back. The poor can't give it back. Over and over again in Proverbs, we have this idea that is given to us that when you loan something out, don't expect it back. Jesus said that. He said, if somebody asks you for something, then give it to them and don't expect it back. So I have, I have a, a principle that I live by. If somebody wants to borrow something, I'm not going to let them borrow it unless I absolutely am willing to give it to them. And then if they give it back, then they've kept their word, and that's great. But if they don't, then I'm not mad at them, and I'm not hurting, right? So it is unwise for you to loan something to somebody that you've got to have back by X date. Just don't loan it to them. Loan it to them if you can do without it. Now, I don't mean it's cheap junk and, you know, ah, you can have that, whatever. No. But if you could give it to them, then loan it to them. If you can't give it to them and you can't do without it, don't loan it to them. I'm just, that's just wisdom, okay? Um, but understand that when I give something to the poor, to those that are genuinely in need, then I am loaning it to the Lord because the Lord does repay his debts, Amen. I can count on that. And this is, by the way, this happens a lot in families, right? Somebody borrows something from you and they don't return it, and now you have this something against them, right? Or they return it broken. How's that? And you're like, oh, man, why, why do I even bother, right? But see, if you follow my principle and you loan it without expecting it back, then if they give it back, you're like, oh, that's awesome. This is a person that keeps their word and they're going to be blessed for it. But if they don't, you're not holding a grudge against them. If it comes back broken, then you just toss it, right? It's, it's just about that simple. This is just all wisdom, and hopefully it will help you out in the new year, right? Number five of six gifts that you can give to the Lord in the new year, give to support God's servants and the spreading of the gospel. I told you that that, um, that verse that I quoted at the beginning, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, was at the beginning of this long discussion in Corinthians about giving. Well, Paul talks about giving in both 1st and 2nd Corinthians because in both letters, they're, they're within about 18 months of each other, he is trying to get the Corinthians ready to put together this big gift that he's going to take back to Jerusalem, give to the Jews who are suffering there. So there's some good scripture here, um, but... Uh, um, the scripture here that ends in Philippians, that ends in Philippians 4.19, says, and my God, uh, just let me give the background before I quote it. In Philippians, uh, a representative from Philippi had come to Paul in prison in Rome and brought him uh, money so that he could survive. See, back then, today, you talk to people that go to prison, they're like, well, at least I got three hots and a cot, right? Because our taxes pay for them, not these guys. 
they better have some relatives that are helping them out or they're not going to get anything. Now, this is to some degree true today because uh, prisoners have very, very limited resources, and so you have to kind of put money in their account so that they can get certain necessities, and that's very like this. But this is real, real basic necessities. So the Philippians sent this representative, and they brought Paul money that he would need to survive in this Roman prison. And at the conclusion of thanking him for that, 419, he said, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You see, once again, you give to somebody who is in need and the Lord is going to give you the return. That's really the basis of our entire uh, relationship with any other human being down here. This is why you can love your enemies because you're trusting the Lord. You're not looking to get something back from somebody else. You're looking to receive from the Lord. He's going to continue to empower you. He's going to continue to resource you so that you can be the giver that he asks you to be, right? Um, talks about uh, that uh, what you give is what you receive back, right? So with the measure you give, you will receive back. So if you give with a stingy measure, you're going to receive back with a stingy measure. If you give with a generous measure, you're going to receive back with a generous measure, right? So you should think about that in the, year, in the new year, because as you give in these situations, the Lord will give back. Now, the final gift, give to demonstrate your faith. Now, um, Jesus was asked one time, what shall we, these, these people came up to Jesus and they said, what shall we do to work the works that God wants? And Jesus said, this is the work that God wants, that you believe in him whom he sent. This is what God wants. He wants your confidence in him. But that is going to result in action. Amen? Faith is not just a feeling of confidence. Yes, well, I just feel like the Lord is going to help me. And that's all he wants. No, that's going to result in you doing something. So James, the half-brother of Jesus, said, and see if I have this down here. Yes, I do. Uh, he said, in the same way, faith without works. Faith, if it is by itself, it's what? It's dead. Right? It's dead. It's not going anywhere. So faith is going to result in faith. Fullness. You know, a lot of you here, you're very consistent. And consistent is a synonym for faithful. But there are people that are up and down and in and out because their faith is emotionally oriented. I was thinking about this earlier today. I was thinking, you know, gosh, Lord, when are we going to get back to normal? You know, so I played another video today, you know, COVID, COVID, COVID. Anybody else sick about hearing about COVID? Yeah, me too. Um, but I started thinking, yeah, do you know what normal is for a Christian? Normal is not eating at restaurants and going to movie theaters. I'm just talking about me, by the way. Normal is not, you know, I, I don't have to wear a mask. This. You know what normal for a Christian is? Normal is doing the will of God. That means you can be in normal no matter what the circumstances are. Amen? And that's the way we should be. Normal for a Christian is faithful. Faithful is consistent. It's not up and down and in and out and all around and, oh, I don't feel like it today. Listen, faith is not a feeling. Say that. 
And it's not based on feelings either, but this is the problem. We get enthusiastic or I got a peace. And that's what our faith is rooted in. But then when the enthusiasm cools, when we get upset, suddenly we don't have any faith anymore. Well, what happened? You had faith in the wrong thing. You had faith in your feelings, which means the devil is going to be able to lead you around with a ring through your nose all the time because you're constantly responding according to your feelings or your emotions instead of responding according to God's word. The word of God doesn't change. The culture changes, your feelings change, but God's word never changes. Jesus said, the heaven and earth will pass away. He said, but my word will never pass away. So this is why every week I'm teaching you the word because I want you to understand, I don't care what the culture says. I don't care who's in office. The truth is the truth, amen? And the truth is unchangeable because it comes from the mouth of an unchangeable God. And that's good news because that means I can always be walking in the normal for a Christian, which is following Jesus and doing what he says, okay? This may sound like just another way of saying what I've already said, but I want you to understand that God wants faith and he rewards faith, but that faith is going to result in faithfulness, right? Um, listen to this. Uh, this is a, uh, a very, very powerful truth, okay? God wants you to, he wants to put you in a position to have greater resources from which you can give even more. God doesn't want to be stingy with you. But here, let me ask you a question. Those of you, a lot, a lot of parents in here, okay? You give your kids some money. You ask them to go out and do something with that money. Let's say, you know what my mom used to do when I was a kid? We used to live uh, across the field from this little store. I don't know what it was actually called. We just called it the little store, right? And I used to run around everywhere barefoot. I was like Rachel Wilson when I was a kid. Runs around everywhere Oh, she's normally sitting there. You're not Rachel. Who are you? <laughs> Rachel's normally sitting over there. She likes to run around barefoot everywhere. I, when I was a kid, that was me. I just ran around barefoot everywhere. It was hot outside. It's Phoenix, Arizona. Didn't matter. I ran around barefoot, barefoot. My mom would give me some money. She'd say, go to the little store, and I want you to buy A, B, C, and you can buy yourself a candy bar, all right? And I'm trying to remember the name of this candy bar that I used to buy all the time. I loved it, Okay. So I would run across that field with that money in my hand. And I would buy my mom what she wanted, and I got just enough to buy me that candy bar, zero. I think we call it a zero bar. Anybody know what a zero is? Like a white chocolate thing, anyway. I, dude, I used to love those, man. And then I'd take my little bare feet, and I would run all the way back across. I'd give my mom her stuff, and I'd give her her change. So she trusted me to do that all the time. What would happen... If I had run across the field with that change and I had bought myself five zero bars and came back with no change, do you think she would trust me to go back again? And see, the thing is, you and I are given resources by the Lord. And there are certain things that he wants you to do with those resources. If you will use those resources, and what I've said today is a really a big part of that, Right. Are you going to help the poor? Are you going to help support the, the spreading of the gospel? Are you going to be generous? Then God wants to give you more resources, all right? And uh, here is uh, 
a very, very good verse for you to, for you to know from Luke 6, 38, right? Give and it will be given to you. Who's going to give it to you? Well, God is. He's going to make sure you have it. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, what is that? That is, that is uh, uh, the idea of grain, okay? So if you think about it, when back in the day, when you got grain, it was, it was unsifted. Back in, back in the day, not this day, but in my day, I can remember you actually had to use a sifter, right? You put stuff in there, and it was this, it looked like a, a can with a handle on it. And you squeeze this little thing, and at the bottom, it went back and forth, like that. And it let the, the wheat fall through, right? It let the, the, the sifted fall through, and it left all the little... Uh, the little husks at the top, and you were sifting it. Well, what happens is, uh, I guess best example would be cereal. Have you ever bought, purchased cereal, and you'll look on the box, and it says, some settling may have occurred. Have you seen that? Have you ever opened the box of cereal, and you're like, man, there's none in here? It's like you open the box, and it's like all the way down at the bottom. What happened? Well, they filled it up to the top, but there was lots of air between all of those kernels of cereal, right? And so in the process of shipping it, it's jiggling up and down and up and down and up and down, and, you know, it looks like there's less. But by weight, there's the same amount. God says this, a good measure. That means he's going to pour it into your lap with a big measure, right? A big scoop. Press down, pushing it down so that you get rid of all the air. Shaken together, you're going to shake it even more so that it gets rid of more... Why is that? Because it gives you room for even more. And running over. Now, it's not just we're going to stop right here. It's going to run over the top of the container. Right? So you have more than enough. You don't just have enough. You have more than enough. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's what I quoted earlier. Okay? And uh, I'll conclude with this. See, this is why God wants you to be faithful because he's going to give you resources so that you can be faithful with more. And God is able to make all what? All grace abound to you. What does abound mean? It means overflow, right? He's going to give you more and more and more grace so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will, there it is again, abound in every good work. God is able to make all grace abound so you may abound in every good work. That's what God wants for you in 2021. But you need to be willing to be a giver if God is going to give to you. Amen? We don't receive so we can waste it on whatever we would waste it on. We don't receive so that we can just store it away and say, okay, I have a bunch of whatever it is, okay? I have 10 Apple Watches. Why do you need 10 Apple Watches? I don't know. I just, I, I like having Apple Watches. I have every color and every style and you don't need that. You can only, you can only wear one watch. Did you know that? I have too many shoes upstairs. I'm like a lady. I don't know what my deal is, but I have too many shoes upstairs. I have like a hundred pairs of shoes. Not that many, but it seems like it. Right. And so we had a man that came by the front of our church who had just gotten out of the hospital and he was, it was cold and he was wearing some flimsy clothes. And he said, pastor, do you have any shoes? I was like, do I have shoes? <laughs> Brother, what's your size? <laughs> so I went upstairs, and I didn't pick him. I was like, eh, I'm going to give that guy the crappiest shoes I've got. No, man, I gave him a pair of shoes that I really liked. I, re I gave him, I liked them. They're blue. They're Under Armour. 
and you won't see me wearing them anymore, right? Because, you know, he was able to wear them. Well, see, if I didn't have all those shoes, I wouldn't have been able to give him shoes. Does that make sense? So be, be loose with what you have. Be willing to give, and God is going to make sure that you have enough. That's the beauty of it. So these are all gifts that you can give to the Lord this year, but bear in mind, he's going to make sure you have all the resources you need so that you can continue to be a giver. Amen? All right. So I hope that that is something that uh, is good news for you in the coming year. We're going to conclude our service uh, with uh, a time of worship, and I hope you will enter in with us and ask the Lord what he wants you to do as the result of what you heard.